You'll want to uh, be in your Bibles at Isaiah 63, and uh, if you don't have your Bibles, you should have notes that have the whole Scripture lesson on it, and uh, we'll read uh, the first 14 verses of that chapter. But uh, yeah, my name is Scott Dyer. I'm retired uh, minister, though it's hard to retire from that particular occupation. Um, and uh, so I'm not trying, it's just I'm not in full-time ministry, but I am as a Christian. We all are. You, you don't retire from being a Christian. So here we are together tonight uh, to have a little study in God's Word, and so that's what we're going to do. Uh, <clears throat> I just want to read those first verses of this chapter, first 14 verses. And I'm reading now the New King James Version. Who is this who comes from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? This one who is glorious in his appear, apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I who speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Why is your apparel red, your garments like one who treads the winepress? I have trodden the winepress alone, and from the people no one was with me. For I have trodden them in my anger, trampled them in my fury. Their blood is sprinkled upon my garments. I have stained all my robes. For the day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeemed has come. I looked, but there was no one to help, and I wondered that there was no one to upheld. Therefore, my own arm has brought salvation to me, for my own fury has sustained me. I have trodden down the peoples in my anger, made them drunk in my fury, and brought down their strength to the earth. I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord and the praise of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has bestowed on us and the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which he has bestowed on them according to his mercies, according to the multitude of his loving kindness. For he said, Surely they are my people, children who will not lie. So he became their Savior. In all of their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and his pity, he redeemed them. And he bore them and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled, and they grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned against them as an enemy, and he fought against them. Then he remembered the days of old, Moses and his people, saying, Where is he who brought us up out of the sea, and the shepherd of his flock? Where is he who put his Holy Spirit in them, who led them by night, by his right hand of Moses, and with his glorious arm, dividing the waters before them, to make for himself an everlasting name, who led them through the deep as a horse in the wilderness, 
they, that they might not stumble. And as a beast goes down into the valley, and the Spirit of the Lord caused him to rest, so you lead your people to make yourself a glorious name. This evening I wanted to talk to you about this lonely hero who goes from being a lonely hero to being an only Savior. In your notes, uh, you will find that we're trying to answer this question, who is this person? Uh, sounds like a conquering hero. Sounds a bit mean and ornery. Sounds pretty tough. Uh, who is this? Well, it's in the Old Testament. Who could it be? And uh, so let's find out some things about him. He comes from Edom. Number one, he comes from Edom. And Edom was the land of Esau. So now, A in your notes, Edom was the land of Esau. Remember, Esau was a brother to who? Jacob. Okay, but they didn't get along, did they? And uh, so here's this land of Esau that's the country of the Edomites, and the Edomites, letter B, were always, always historically hostile. It also asks us in there and tells us that he comes from Basra. Basra was the capital of Edom. So here comes this conquering hero. He's stomping through the land of Edom. Sounds like his fury and his wrath are really taking hold. He comes dressed, number two, he comes dressed in bloodstained garments. Now, this sounds kind of gory and all, but just bear with me. Uh, and uh, letter A, he is stained from the treading, the winepress of his venge vengeance. This person comes from Edom. He comes in bloodstained garments, and now he's treading the winepress of his vengeance. He is battling against the evil that's in this area of Edom. B, he's a warrior stained from battle. Now we get a clue when he jumped from the book of Isaiah clear to the book of Revelation as to who this is. So we're going to look quickly at Revelation 19, 11 through 16. Now I saw the heavens opened, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on him was called Faithful and True. In righteousness he judges, and he makes war. Sounds like our guy out of Isaiah. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written on, on him that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name was called the Word of God. The armies in heaven, clothed in bright linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, 
that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of his fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So who is this? Number three, he is the one who brings righteous judgment. Not only in Isaiah's time against Edom, but in Revelations in the end times. Amos, Obadiah, and Malachi, all minor prophets, also spoke into this, and we get some clues from them. Uh, and he verif these guys verify what we've read out of Isaiah. And I'm going to read these scriptures to you. Amos 1, 11 and 12. Thus says the Lord, for these transgressions of Edom and for four, for three transgressions of Edom and for four, I will not turn away its punishment because he pursued his brother with a sword. He's talking about Esau and the people of Edom. They pursued Israel with a sword. I will not turn away his punishment. And uh, also, they cast off all pity. These people of Ed Ed Edom were cold-hearted and downright evil, downright insidious in their behavior towards Israel. His anger tore perpetually. Wow. Uh, and he kept his wrath forever. Esau was perpetually against Israel. And all the people of Edom took that up and caused trouble for Israel until this day. Until this very day, today, tonight. Uh, they were unmerciful in uh, pursuit of the people of God. They were glad when the people of God suffered harm. They enjoyed hearing the bad news for Israel. You never enjoyed hearing bad news for anybody you didn't like, did you? You didn't rejoice when some nasty neighbor got what was coming to him or some fellow workman or worker got his due. You know, we, we don't do that, do we? I hope not. But God also steps into the scene to judge this kind of activity. So we need to think clearly about what we're doing every day. Um, I got some clues out of this, but sometimes God allowed Israel to be beaten up by other countries, other kings, and other armies came through, and it was part of a discipline process that God allowed. Well, here were the Edomites off to the side of the country of Israel, and so when some other country beat up on Israel, the Edomites would follow along behind where everyone had been beaten up, and they would kill the ones that couldn't get away. They were forever trying to get 
Israel in trouble and eliminate them. Anybody say, let's eliminate Israel off the face of the earth today? Hmm. Well, the Edomites were pursuing people that were already beat up by somebody else and taking advantage of the ones left behind. That's where they gave up their pity. They had no pity. They had no feelings of care or anything for the human race other than themselves. And they definitely wanted to punish Israel any chance they got. They may not have been strong enough to do it themselves, but they followed behind these other armies and cleaned up who was left, say the wounded, the weak, the ones left behind by the other armies. It's no wonder God was upset with them. Let's look at Obadiah. Obadiah 1, 8 through 9. Now, Obadiah is the smallest book in the Old Testament, and uh, it's a direct prophecy about Edom. That's what it deals with. That's the message. And here's some words from it. Will I not in that day, says the Lord, even destroy the wise men from Edom and understanding from the mountains of Esau? Then, O mighty men, O Teman, shall be dismayed to the end that everyone from the mountain of Esau may be put off by slaughter. Who is this that comes from Edom? He's definitely been slaughtering. He's definitely been walking in the wine press of dead bodies. He's got blood all over him. He's a bloody conqueror. He's a judge. He is living out the wrath of God. Pretty ugly, depressing message here tonight, right? We're not done yet, but... Uh, <clears throat> Here's one of the things that happened. Anyway, uh, in, in this statement of Obadiah, what we find is God humbles the proud. Edomites were very proud. They lived high, in high country, in a mountain. They were just so proud, and, and they were, felt they were untouchable. Nobody's untouchable when it comes to God. Nobody's unknowable when it comes to our God. Nobody can hide from him or hide anything from him. Don't kid yourself. Just because other people can't see, our Father in heaven sees all. How many of you go around town nowadays and you're on camera everywhere you go? I mean, everywhere you go, you're on camera. I forget about that sometimes. I wonder how I was acting on those cameras. My daughter has a home where she's got six or seven cameras. I'm over there working away, doing things. I forget, man, I'm on camera. And you go in the house, turn on the TV, and there you are. Everything you did, everything you acted like, whatever you did. Scary stuff. Um, the other thing that in Obadiah is that their wealth was plundered. Is your wealth your security? It can be gone in a heartbeat. They're trying to mess with our money and everything else today. Who knows what we're going to be left with? Scary times. I love the song, though. I don't live in fear. Don't live in fear. Even No matter what's happening and no matter what happens, 
believers are fearless. Um, then uh, wisdom is taken away. They, they prided themselves in how smart they were, how educated they were, what they thought they knew. We don't have people like that in our country today, do we? The brainiacs that are trying to tell us what we ought to do and think and create some creature that will outthink us now called AI. Um, they needed to find out their wisdom was, I'm going to use a term that will throw you probably, but their wisdom was infatuated. Anybody ever been infatuated in this room? Are you infatuated with somebody? Were you? Were you? <laughs> well, what this means here is wisdom was short-lived. That's what infatuated means. It's short-lived. It's hot and heavy for a while, but it's short-lived. Uh, and wisdom is going to disappear from these people in God's judgment. Their pride, their wealth, their wisdom... And uh, their spiteful behavior is avenged. God takes out vengeance on them. They had terrible, terrible attitudes and thoughts. God was working on that. Malachi was the last also reference to this uh, situation. Even though Edom has said, we have been impoverished, but we will return and we will build our desolate places again. How many times we will rebuild and disaster happens. Well, we will rebuild. Sometimes in pride, the human race claims to, well, we're, just, we're tougher than whatever happened, whatever circumstance. This hurricane came through, this tornado came through, flattened the town. We will rebuild. Well, that's great. But don't forget God. With God's help, we will rebuild. With God's help, we'll build back better. With God's help, we can make America great again. But it's with God, not man. Did I get political there? I'm sorry. Okay. Um, Thus said the Lord of hosts, They may build, but I will throw down. They shall be called the territory of wickedness. He's describing Edom. The territory of wickedness. We look at some places even in our country and we call them the, the territory of wickedness. But it can be even in our own county and state. And the people against whom the Lord will have indignation forever. Your eyes shall see and you shall say... The Lord is magnified beyond the border of Israel. So there's hope that in through, through all this judgment on Edom, that the Lord is going to be magnified all around the country, all around really the world. As God takes vengeance, judges, and cleans up things, He will be glorified. He will receive glory. He will be honored. He will be bowed down too. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Who is this? Who is this? Well, I think you all know. Let's find out what else he did. 
Number four, he conquered the territory of wickedness. A, he did it all alone. B, no one to help. And C, by his own arm, he succeeded. This conqueror who took on Edom and the evil and wickedness of that area did it all by himself. Now, it's kind of a sad commentary on where were the believers? Where were the people? He looked around. He couldn't find anybody that would help him. He did it himself. Jump forward to a cross. He did it himself. The conqueror did it himself. Number five, he becomes their, Israel's, Savior. A, his own presence brought them deliverance. B, even when they grieved the Holy Spirit, he still led them and sustained them. Even when he turned himself against them, letter C, he remains merciful and compassionate to all who repent from their sin and sinful ways. It's an amazing statement here that God will be compassionate and not vengeful against us if we grieve His Holy Spirit. I was astounded at that comment out of Isaiah because we're not talking about the book of Acts. We're talking about Isaiah, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit being grieved. We've talked about that in, the, in light of today and modern Christianity that, well, yeah, the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, and wow, things changed, and Christians were empowered to live the life. But the Holy Spirit has been active since Genesis and before. His Spirit brooded over the waters. And His Spirit is brooding over us, even today, wanting God's best for us, wanting us to let go and let God use us, empower us. God is working to do that. Um, there's a gracious promise to Israel that uh, it be restored, it be reformed, uh, victorious over the Edomites. <coughs> and the future is the Lord's kingdom would be established. Conquer Edom, get rid of this evil, wicked territory, and basically from this scripture, you'll, scripture lesson, you'll see that Edom is pretty well non-existent in the sense of when Jesus conquers, when the conqueror comes through, he is none other than Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. It's none other than Jesus. He's the bloody, lonely hero who becomes a magnificent Savior. A magnificent Savior. A glorious victory over the Edomites 
Do you have any Edomites in your life? Any people who are just downright evil? Any, any Edomites around you? What's the first thing you do for them? Pray. Amen. Pray and let God work. Don't get in His way. Pray. Have you ever grieved the Holy Spirit? It's not the unpardonable sin. The Holy Spirit can literally be grieved. Wow, you ever think about God having those kinds of feelings that He can be grieved and we can hurt His feelings? And we grieve the Holy Spirit by disobedience. Pretty simple. That's how we grieve Him. The Spirit speaks to us. The Word gives us the way to live. And we say, well, not today, God. I, I, I want to do my thing today. Or I want to do my thing tonight. Or don't bug me. The sad part is God will let us go and do whatever we want to do. He gave us free will. The good part is we can use that free will to follow Him, to serve Him, to repent. And He promises to renew us, restore us, and He becomes our magnificent Savior. He comes through Edom as a conquering hero, but he was lonely all alone. He went to a cross all alone. Everybody deserted him. Nobody stayed with him. He was all alone. Even God, his Father, turned his back on him there while he was on the cross. When Jesus took your sin and mine, he became sin for the whole world. And God says, that's, I can't, can't look at that. But the power of God raised him from the dead, brought him back to life, and he is today that magnificent Savior. Let the bloody hero of the Old Testament be the magnificent Savior of the new in your life. May God bless you, shed His love on you, and lift you out of anything that would keep you in bondage, set you free, and allow you to be all you can be today. It doesn't matter what you've done. It's forgivable. You're still breathing. Sin is forgivable till your last breath. Don't waste your time. Things are really speeding up. Jesus is coming back. And may you be ready. And may we take our neighbors and friends and anyone who will listen to us with us. That's our task, to introduce them to the magnificent Savior, the one who loves each one, everyone. Thank you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are magnificent in every way. We know that you're going to be the judge. We know that that's reality, that we'll be judged one by one, but by the righteousness of Christ, by his death and resurrection,
we are covered with his blood. We are washed clean. We stand before you in his righteousness, not our own. We stand before you empty of self, but full of your spirit. Father, bless your people to the end that each of us will be a blessing, that others might know you while there's still time. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.